1: You're listening to a Fremantle Australia podcast recorded at the Sydney studios. And a warning, this podcast contains adult themes and explicit language.
3: So I feel quite exposed right now. So I'm just having to kind of rethink things. I'm now at the point where I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing?
4: If you've been scamming for as long as Charlie has, you don't suddenly want to lead an honest life. I don't think you'd forgive yourself if you didn't see it to the end.
3: My name is Julia Robson. I'm a private investigator and you're listening to Chasing Charlie. It had been six years, three months, and 17 days since I had answered the phone to Vivian when she had contacted me in my capacity as a private investigator to track down the conman who had taken her for all she had financially, emotionally, sexually, and socially. I had tracked this lowlife around the world as his past and present deceptions Imitations and deceits left a trail of victims in New Zealand, France, Portugal, Australia and America. And now finally, I was in striking distance. He had just landed in Auckland, clearly believing that his new identity would stop his arrest warrant catching up with him. But he hadn't factored in one thing. Me. This was my home, my turf. He was my target, and I was on my way to get him. It was Friday the 13th of April, 2018, when I flew from Melbourne to Auckland. I was trying not to be influenced by this rather poor choice of date. I was here to chase Charlie down, and I wasn't leaving until I got him. Knowing Charlie's love of boats... I thought that his most likely plan would be to hide out in Auckland for as long as possible until he could somehow get his hands on a yacht and reinstate his plans to sail to Asia. I suppose I could have started asking around local marinas to see if they had seen the haggard, sexually corrupt, morally void, deviant conman I had been chasing since 2011. But with such extreme weather battering the city... Most people had sought shelter and gone to ground, which is exactly what Charlie had done. There was no trace of him online. I had upped my scrutiny of all his existing digital profiles, and he hadn't logged into any of them for weeks. All of his normal methods of advertising and scamming had stopped. I just couldn't get a fix on him. This was a problem. Now I was on the ground, it was even more vital i find him, and find him quickly. I was even checking the Craigslist classifieds, thinking he might be trying his luck there. But there was nothing, complete radio silence. Let me back up a little bit here and explain how things had played out once I arrived in Auckland. Before I left Australia, I'd contacted the New Zealand police and told them my plans to find Charlie. I'd learned that Charlie's original file, the one that contained all the signed statements, original complaints, receipts, all the details of the arrest warrant, was held down in Tauranga, a two and a half hour drive from Auckland, and needed to be reassigned to the Financial Crimes Unit up here. I was given the contact details of the police officer who would be looking after the file so I could get in touch with them when I arrived. So of course, as soon as I got off the plane, the first thing I did was to call that number. I'm sorry, I'm on extended holidays
0: and away from the office. Please try again later.
3: You've got to be joking. I could not believe it. Seriously, could not bloody believe it. Until I could make contact with the right person at the police station. I was on my own. Where? Where, where could he be? I knew he wouldn't be staying with any of his family. I had read his father's obituary back in 2015, and there was no mention of Charlie at all, so I knew his family had long since disowned him. But there was one woman who Charlie had somehow managed to keep as a close friend since his younger days in New Zealand. Cast your mind back to Tracy from episode three, the younger woman who had the relationship with Charlie for 13 years, the one who saw him as a father figure, the one who he made bankrupt herself, that Tracy. Remember how she said that one of Charlie's ex-lovers once climbed in through the window and stood at the end of their bed? I had kept in touch with Tracy, and it seems that Charlie had kept in touch with that woman, and I knew her name. Because I had been tracking Charlie's online activity for so long, I knew that he'd sporadically interacted with this one particular woman and it stood out to me because, well, he didn't really have any friends. When I delved into her profile and was scanning through her posts, I'd come across a really old one, one about having a friend who'd been pulled over by the police and had used someone else's ID to get out of a ticket. Now, I never actually knew if that was Charlie, but, well, the chances were pretty high and it had always stayed in the back of my mind. So when I was trying to figure out where Charlie might be staying, this woman obviously came straight into my head. I checked the title deeds of houses in the areas I thought most likely for someone like her to live. Bingo, it got better. When I looked at this address on Google Maps, I saw it had a little unit out the back. The property was in the affluent Auckland suburb of Devonport and the unit was vacant. It was the perfect hiding spot for an international common And I had to go check it out. So I've just conducted a walk past the Devonport address, I think, that Charlie's hiding out at. It's down a long driveway and the unit I think he's staying is, is tucked away behind the main house. I stayed snooping around that driveway all day. Surveillance is usually pretty dull. But my heart was in my mouth the whole time. I knew I was close. The shape-shifting common I had been chasing around the world was here. I could feel it. But like the rest of this whole case, it wasn't that simple. First of all, I couldn't just knock on the door and arrest him. I had to have the police on board for that and they still weren't getting back to me. Secondly, and this is the big one, The law in New Zealand states that for the type of crimes Charlie was wanted for, even with an arrest warrant, the police can't just barge into someone's house without permission. So basically, if Charlie didn't answer the door, they couldn't arrest him. And knowing Charlie, there was no way he'd open the door to the police. And something else was worrying me. What if he wasn't home when they came knocking and someone tipped him off? He'd run for the hills for sure and I would have missed my one real chance. My flight to go back to Australia was fast approaching. As my window of opportunity shrunk, I realised that I had to make sure I would know exactly where Charlie would be at one given time. If I could get that organised, then all I'd need to do was convince the police that it was absolutely imperative that this man was finally arrested. I had to draw Charlie out into the open. I did some scamming of my own. The unit where Charlie was staying had been empty and needed furniture. The Freeman's online presence had fired up asking for free giveaways. I had been so bound up in tracking Charlie's every move and every online post for so long now that I felt I could even second guess his taste in home furnishings. I put a fake ad up offering to give away a great piece of furniture that I knew he wouldn't be able to refuse. All he had to do was arrange to pick it up. He bit straight away and offered to come and collect it the following day. Tomorrow, I was going to meet Charlie tomorrow when he came to meet someone who didn't exist to collect something that didn't exist. How very apt! I thought. I had suggested the West Haven Marina as a meeting spot, thinking how much extra pleasure I would get taking him down in the middle of all the yachts and boats he would never own. There was just one problem: tomorrow was really soon. Charlie had been in faster than I had anticipated, and I couldn't afford to put him off. I had one day to pull this together. I needed the police. I couldn't do it without their support, but my contact was still missing in action. I was starting to get really concerned. All right, so this is the current state of play. A little bit stressed, things, it's now Thursday and things really haven't progressed. So I feel quite exposed right now, so, just having to kind of rethink things I'm now at the point where I'm thinking what the hell am I doing like this is ridiculous so I'm just really trying to just think positive you know and just reassure myself that this guy's been getting away with this for so long now and he will continue to get away with it unless it's all kind of brought together so i must say i'm really stressed out i am having a lot of self-doubt right now and i don't know what is going on i know his address i know where he'll be tomorrow i just you know i, I need that support and i guess that encouragement to say this is worthwhile This. You're not going to leave here and it's going to be a wasted effort. So I guess watch the space. Damien Marrett is a former police detective who worked undercover in the 90s. It was an era of policing where you couldn't rely on someone's digital footprint to learn about them. You had to infiltrate groups face-to-face, think on your feet, and overcome self-doubt. He was just the person I needed to talk to.
4: Well, if it was easy, everybody would be doing this. If you've been scamming for as long as Charlie has, you don't suddenly want to lead an honest life. I mean, he's getting on as well. He can't do the hours of hard work, and he's not going to do it for the little money when he's been used to uh, spending time with people and taking thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Well, we need to protect the public because he's just going to keep doing it. He's shown that time and time again. He's relentless. Julia, from what you've told me, you've put in a hell of a lot of work on him. You've come so far. You know where he is. You know he's going to commit another scam. Yeah, I mean, you... I don't think you'd forgive yourself if you didn't see it to the
3: end. Damn right I wouldn't. That was all I needed to hear. Reinvigorated, I went back to the police station the next day. It was as if the stars suddenly aligned. A senior sergeant recognised me from all those years ago when I was an officer at that same station. I knew I wouldn't get any special favours, but at least I was through the door and I could put my case forward. I knew this would take a few hours at best, but I was in with a chance. Stressed right out, but in with a chance. So I've just left the police station and I have got some great news. I finally got the green light that police are going to support me in arresting Charlie this afternoon. Oh, wow. I've only got a couple of hours before this is actually happening and I'm over the moon. I'm obviously trying not to celebrate too early because anything can happen but considering I've been here a week and this wasn't happening up until about 10 minutes ago I honestly couldn't ask for anything more right now. I am just so nervous but excited and honestly it's actually good to kind of get back into the old sting days and um, the police operations it's been a long time I have no idea if he's going to show up but I've been waiting years for this moment and it is about to happen in about two hours from now
2: to find out if it's right for you.
3: After almost seven years of chasing Charlie, the sting was finally on. It was the 20th of April, 2018. I had lured Charlie to the West Haven Marina He thought he was coming to pick up a piece of furniture from a generous donor who wanted to see it go to a good home. The truth was very different. Several plainclothes police and I were discreetly hidden in the small crowd that wandered around admiring the thousands of yachts. I had knots in my stomach. This was it. About 30 minutes after our arrival, a white van slowly pulled up and came to a stop in the disabled parking typical, I thought, always looking for a shortcut. I knew from my conversations with several of his more recent victims that he was no longer anything close to handsome, but I was still shocked to look at him in the flesh. As I walked towards Charlie, the man who had come to my attention as a charming, persuasive womaniser, the real shape of this being came into focus. He was a nothing a shriveled, decrepit, empty human. The next section of audio is a bit hard to hear, but if you listen carefully, you can hear Charlie introduce himself to me as Leon just before the police step in. Hi. Hi. Pleased nice to meet you. Yeah.
1: Time's
3: up, Charlie. Hi. Do you ever think that this day would be the day that all your scams would come to a head? What? Do you remember all the people in New Zealand and Australia? I going to arrest, mate. I've got some, I got to okay? So you're under arrest. I'm just going to call the car I'm
0: going to take you back to the
3: okay. I hope you heard that. The chase was finally over. To think that someone as meek as that had done so much damage to so many people was almost incomprehensible. It seemed like such an anti-climax that he'd been so passive. I don't know quite what I'd expected, but it was more action-packed than that. I even had my togs on underneath my clothes just in case he made a break for the water. But he didn't. He was standing in front of me with a look of utter confusion on his face and even seemed to be shaking. He hadn't even put up the slightest fight. Then I remembered something Tracy had said to me sometime earlier. He was probably terrified.
2: Prison frightens him. He'll do anything to stay out of prison. That's what I remember him always saying to me. That freaks him out entirely. He doesn't want to be in prison, you know, like he wants to be out on the sea.
3: He loves his furniture and all that. He he always said it would kill him. So when he was in there for that short time, you know... Charlie was taken to the Auckland Central Police Station and officially charged with 33 counts of obtaining by deception. At the district court, the judge immediately recognised Charlie as a flight risk. His bail was opposed pending trial and he was placed in remand at Mount Eden Prison. For the time being at least, Charlie was locked up. It's surreal when something that has taken up so much of your time and energy for so long hits the brakes. It was going to take a while to sink in. For now, for me, it was reward enough in itself to have been able to get to this point. But more importantly, much more importantly... I needed to tell Charlie's victims what had just happened. And I needed to start with Vivian, the amazing woman that I was now proud to call my friend. The woman who had come to me so bravely all those years ago when Charlie had taken her money, her confidence and her dignity had absolutely no idea that Charlie was in New Zealand, let alone that I had come here to arrest him. This was a conversation I needed to have in person.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: With Charlie arrested and safely in remand in a New Zealand jail, I was back in Melbourne, where I'd asked the unsuspecting Vivian to come and see me. Under the pretense of an after-work wine and catch-up, she was on her way to my office. Once she arrived and we'd said our hellos, I pulled out my laptop and started to play her a video. She had no idea what she was about to watch. As a reminder, as far as Vivian was aware, Charlie was still in Europe. Hi.
0: They yeah, are, used to oh, yeah. meet mm-hmm. okay. you. Yeah. Good Charlie. Hi. Do you mm. know, think that this day would be the day that all your fans would come by here? What? Mm-hmm. Do you have all the people in New Zealand and Australia? Hi, oh, I'm i We've got some, we've got two Zero zeroes, okay? So you, are
4: there, I'm i
0: Oh, Oh, we have to <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> i don't, don't so you can see it. Right, and he's so steering my he, Thank he
3: you. <laughs> Oh, I've really been waiting to... going, come on, because I didn't want to tell you what what I had... you were going to say, how good a detective are you? What does this tell you? What do you see? I'm
0: thinking, there's water, there's boats, there's I building, know. overpass. <laughs> I, I had no idea me. what you were going to show me. We need another bottle of wine. We need champagne now. Oh, yeah, I did actually get champagne. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, Julie, you've got no idea what this means to me. <laughs> oh. Actually, it's more than, is it seven years? So, tell me, tell me,
3: tell me. I need to know. How did it happen? What did you do? You, so, we were in contact, and then he, you had messaged me about his number. I remember a few years ago, 2014 or something like that. Charlie initially pled not guilty to all charges, and his case was set for trial in April 2019. There was only a certain amount of time New Zealand law would permit Charlie to stay locked up on remand. And while the courts made sure he stayed there as long as possible, with a year between arrest and the court date, they had to let him out on bail on condition he live in Auckland at the same Devonport address. He was straight back to scamming any which way he could. Somehow, and I honestly do not know how, he came into possession of some hot water cylinders and he actually went back on to trade me of all places to sell them. He sold the first few legitimately at around $900 a piece so it was pretty good money. But then, like a duck to water, he took the money for one or two and didn't deliver the goods. Around the same time, Charlie seemed to do some thinking Before a hearing, the judge will give you an indication of what your sentence would be if you plead guilty versus what it would be if you went to trial and were found guilty. Charlie realized there was a good chance he would receive a fairly hefty sentence if he tried to fight it. So he changed his plea to guilty and a new sentence date was set. I hoped with everything I had that he would get a custodial sentence. I was almost certain he would, there was no guarantee with Charlie. He had slipped out of them so many times before. Despite there now being alerts on his passport and both his birth name and his legal alias, I was still worried he would jump on a boat and not even turn up to be sentenced. I don't think I could have borne it. There were so many people who wanted Charlie behind bars. This. Is Lily's dad
4: I think he should be incarcerated I think he's dangerous uh, in public
3: yeah he's never he's never going to stop doing what he's doing because he's done it all his life
4: and also what there's probably so many more people that people
3: are embarrassed that
2: they were taken so they don't go to the authorities, or probably a lot of those people too. And Margot in France? Yes, I can. I I can hear you fine, thanks, Juliet, between you and I, I was hoping someone had found him floating in Sydney Harbour, having been eaten by a shark or something. I really, you know, I just, it's it's a bit of a shock to see that wretched man's name again, I must say.
3: Well, look, I'm not ready to tell you he's been found floating in the harbour, but he's actually been arrested in New Zealand.
2: Wonderful, oh, I hope, was was somebody filming it, Julio? I'd love to have seen that. Oh, I don't, I I, bet he won't
3: show up. I'm kind of putting bets on it that he won't. But I don't know, maybe he's just going to give up now and, and say, all right, I doubt it, he's always finding some new scam. It was now the 14th of August, 2019. The date had finally arrived for Charlie to be sentenced.
0: You appear in court today on the sentencing of 33 charges of obtaining by deception. I note you have previous convictions for using a document for pecuniary advantage and other convictions for dishonesty on your record. I need to denounce your behaviour as totally unacceptable to the community. You've been ripping people off for your own benefit. The community needs to be protected from this type of behaviour. You've also expressed your remorse. However, given your history, that remorse appears rather shallow. You're assessed as a high risk of further offending with little motivation to change, as your offending history almost entirely involves fraud, dishonesty and theft offences.
3: Within 15 minutes of hearing this, Charlie's fate was sealed. At least for a while.
0: At the sentence indication hearing, I indicate the starting point would be a sentence of imprisonment of three years which I now adopt. An uplift of three months is appropriate for your history, taking it to a total of three years and three months. Your guilty plea reduces that sentence by eight months and for the limited remorse that you're expressing, I deduct a further one month. On all charges, you are convicted and sentenced to two years and six months imprisonment to be served concurrently on each other. No order for reparation has been made because you have no ability to pay.
3: So here we are, we are at the finish. I've just walked out. He was one of the first on. He was wearing track pants and his hair had grown. He was looking rather down on himself. And I really was just expecting probably, I guess, a lot of leniency. And that was that finished Charlie's in prison. It feels like this is something that was well worth the eight years of... Long sleepless nights, a lot of work, um, a lot of money, but none of that matters now that we know that we finally got the result that we were looking for. Um, oh, I, do, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like a, It was just a shock to see the magistrate recognise that this individual was a real safety concern for the greater public. Um, but in terms of how this ends, I, I'm really happy with it. I was happy with it. And I still am. But time ticks away, and before any of us know it, that two and a half years will be up. As Lily's father says, there are likely a lot of Charlie's victims out there that have not come forward for varying reasons. And I, for one, certainly don't want to see any more people hurt and used again. If you do have any information you'd like to bring forward, the email address to contact is coming up. My name is Julia Robson and you have been listening to Chasing Charlie.
0: Oh, there we go, Julia. You have no idea what this means to me. <laughs> and every other woman out there. Yeah. Oh.
1: God, it's ugly, isn't he?
3: If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, leave a review and recommend to another true crime fan. Make sure to subscribe to Chasing Charlie on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the latest instalment.
1: If you have further information on this story, please reach out to us at ChasingCharlie at freemantle.com. The content of this podcast is a result of Julia Robson's investigation into Charlie and information provided to her by his victims. Some names have been changed to protect the identities of those involved. Chasing Charlie is a Fremantle, Australia production. Executive producers, Jesse Klass and Liz Burnett. Series producer, Rebecca Vallis. Original concept and writing by Julia Robson. Edited and mixed by James Ezra. With additional editing by Katie Morris. Recording and technical assistance by Alex Elliott. Legal and business affairs by Maddie Marchant. Recording assistance by Brendan Ganey and Tom Lawton. With additional research by Georgina Rain. Stefan Dennis plays the voice of Charlie. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, please contact Lifeline on 13 1114, Beyond Blue on 1300 22 or another crisis hotline in your local area. We are grateful for the help of the victims and families involved in creating this podcast. Thank you.